Wow, people, haven't I got an episode for you? Samantha Rose, storyteller, is on the podcast. Phenomenal episode. So much is in this. And I know it's going to be incredibly well received from the listeners and supporters of the show because it really does align with the mission and the way the podcast is shifting and navigating and the guests that I'm getting on making life sacred again, remembering the things that once served us and how we can bring them into our current environment and listen more deeply to the earth and to everything that is around us, how to really nourish an environment that really can serve us, how to understand how the stories in our minds have shaped us and continue to shape us in the way in which we live, how to empower ourselves to deepen our understanding of this world that we are a part of and linked to in every moment, how are we showing up, what stories are we telling ourselves. That is really at the heart of this conversation. It was a beautiful interaction. I cannot wait to be in the same space with Sam again. Really powerful person doing amazing work, holding a lot of sacred space and I align with so much of it. If you want to get in touch with her, please, all the links are in the description. Enjoy the podcast. But first, I'm going to mention my sponsors, XL Coffee and Wild Soul Sandals, two companies that I full on align with, respect and just shout about wherever I go. XL Coffee, everything done in the right way powerful company doing amazing work what can i say about this coffee company other than it's clean not all coffee is created equal they really do care about the product they do three different blends a decaf which is beautiful and washed with just h2o and decaffeinated in a process that actually produces and wields better results and less chemical processes. Beautiful decaf option and they have a dark and a medium house roast. Over to Wild Soul Sandals, recently paid a visit to Tom at the HQ who's really doing incredible work, diving deep into sandal making every single day, showing up for the people that, that need and benefit from functional footwear such as Wild Soul Sandals. They are an adventure sandal. They're really helping people connect back to their function and it's in fun ways. So function, function, it should definitely be a part of your health, making it fun. Like that is definitely linked to being a healthy human. Sandals that do not fall off when you're running. Sandals that provide everything you need from piece of footwear. Do you want some footwear that gives you everything you need? Wild Soul Sandals, I'm telling you. Maybe we should do some sort of money back guarantee. I mean, they do refunds, of course, UK law. But ultimately, if you do not like these sandals when you buy them, maybe reach out to me personally and I will give you the money back. Could I say that? Did I say that? Maybe. I don't know. Just reach out to me and ask me and we'll jump on a call if it's needed. But I promise you, you would not regret purchasing these sandals. If you are a person that loves adventure, that loves being out in the world and having a connection to the floor, allowing you to be more present, then Wild Soul Sandals are going to serve you. Amazing brand, their integrity, they're good friends of mine. I support them. Please link in the description for discount. Awesome. Thank you, people. Appreciate you as always. Again, ways to support the podcast. I have a Patreon account. I've got two supporters on there that are helping me show up into this space even more every month. So if you feel called to, if you're finding value from this podcast, reach out, 
support on Patreon, but also head over to the YouTube channel, subscribe, best across way to support the channel as I grow on YouTube. Appreciate you. Enjoy the podcast. What would you say allows you to deepen your experience? Mm. In ceremony or just, just in day life, to day? In day to day, yeah. What other things that you... Hmm. Oh, I'm just day to day engaging in different creative mediums, like constantly. So some days I'll have my art materials, my books out, and I'll be sketching and drawing with crayons and maybe watercolours, um, if that's what I feel inspired to do. Other times I'll feel the need to go out walking with the trees, with the land, mm. sometimes listening for stories, sometimes just communing like we did earlier, just being with the trees and grounding myself, sometimes movement, um, mm. free form, free flow just playing some music and allowing my body to move and writing like stream of consciousness just mm. allowing the pen to move across the page and seeing what wants to arise and these are the tools that change every day but it's funny wherever I go I've got this little backpack <laughs> mm. my little kit where I've got my speaker my art materials just like portable stuff that I can take and I'll find myself just like sketching underneath a tree and I wouldn't call myself an amazing visual artist, but it's a bridge. And I feel like with information that's coming through, there's all of these channels, creative mediums that we can use to bridge. So I think to deepen, I would say it helps me deepen into myself, into what I'm hearing, into what I'm receiving. And that I often feel calmer after I do it. There's like, ah, I've just heard or I've listened more deeply and I can see more deeply, and it might not make sense, um, but that, yeah, I've I've had some kind of exchange. Mm -hmm. So yeah, creativity has really been there with me for many many years on a wandering path. Yeah. Mm, beautiful. Mm. What mm. what gets in the way of those things? What are the obstacles mm. that get in the way of the, all the things you've just explained? I mean, the classic, I'm not good enough piece, right? Mm. I'm not, I so can't draw. Perhaps the story that you're not good enough, right? Mm, totally. So the stories totally. that you tell yourself. Totally. Mm. And um, I've moved through a lot of that. Like that, that belief, I'm not good enough, was huge in the beginning of my journey um, from growing up. And I've done a lot of work to look at it, to clear it, to understand it, to replace it with a feeling and a knowing and a belief actually that I am good enough I wouldn't even say replace it it's yeah. almost like when you realize that's not true actually what's underneath is just the feeling I am I am I'm good enough who I am how I am I don't need to be anything more than that mm -hmm. um, so the belief that like the beliefs that get in the way of creating can be so crippling um, for me and for a lot of the people that I work with um, but also time like what <clears throat> you and I were talking about this earlier, mm -hmm. like what are we doing with our time? You know, where are we placing our focus? How many hours of the day am I on my phone? <laughs> Digital <laughs> devices get in the way. And, and really consciously having to put it down and mm. like actually off the table or take myself out and go for the next hour, I'm walking out of the house without my phone and this is time for me to listen or this is time for me to write, or this is time. Mm. 
So it's like physically removing it's crazy the technology that that's so <laughs> from from the picture, literally just for an hour or ten minutes or fifteen minutes. Yeah. <clears throat> I think also realizing that we don't have to spend hours; that it's more accessible than we think. And I think often the biggest hurdle is just going to pick it up, <laughs> mm-hmm. literally going to get the book or going to get the the journal or going to, and then when it's open, it's like ah. Oh, it just happens. But yeah, it's something in that moment of choosing the choice. Mm. Yeah. Making the decision to do something. <clears> I, <throat> I often say that when I'm opening for like, an event or something, I'm like, you've done the hard thing. Mm-hmm. Like you've made mm-hmm. the decision to come here. Mm. Now you just need to be present to the experience. Mm-hmm. But yeah, making a decision mm-hmm. and choosing and just staying with that, mm-hmm. being disciplined enough to just commit. And not just once. This is the other thing, like to sustain, say, a practice over time. Mm-hmm. For me, it's a balance of not not putting too much pressure on myself that I have to do it. You know, if I'm like, I've got to do this thing every single day at this time for this long, the teenager in me is going to reject and rebel against that every time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can sustain it for a while, but then there's a part of me that wants to do something else or is engaged with something else. So like, if it's if we give ourselves permission that it's okay to put that thing down and then it's okay to pick it back up again. You know, like what is inspiring us in the moment? What do we feel drawn to want to do with our energy, with our creative energy? So because creative energy for me in my body is constantly changing and it's asking me for different things. So it'd be too rigid to create a practice that I always had to stick to, which is where the listening comes in. You know, what is needed for this moment right now? Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I'm really fascinated about that. I am not enough or thing you said before Mm. (laughs) i'm not good enough you know that one yeah (laughs) i'm interested it's a powerful one i think a lot of people know that one yeah yeah in our culture yeah um, a lot is predicated on um us not being enough Mm. so then we need the thing Mm -hmm. then we need Mm -hmm. the product Mm -hmm. then we need the Mm -hmm. the course whatever it might be exactly so there's all these signals from a very early age that we are not good enough or we're not enough so we have to have something to to make us enough but of course Mm. it doesn't work like that Mm -hmm. how do you think could you dive into that a bit and maybe from a woman's perspective Mm. what that journey has been like and where do you think the root of that that really was for you Mm. it's such a big question because Mm. this is years right this is a belief that maybe it sounded like overnight it disappeared I think it it, the intensity of that belief reduced over many years. And I I can remember so clearly growing up because of maybe a series of factors from young childhood, but teenagehood specifically, high school, just feeling the weight of that on so many levels, like mm-hmm. not good enough, um, not beautiful enough, not smart enough, not... You can think of all the enoughs, like it wasn't. It was just this empty there was like this empty well in me that nothing that I brought in could fill it I could see it on my face I could see it you know in the weight you know the puffiness around my eyes when I was younger just the just this kind of absence I'd say and um, I was able to come into contact with it and this is what's coming to me now is is realizing that I didn't want to walk with that, is realizing that 
it was crippling me so much and it was feeling like such a huge weight day to day, that belief and the feelings and the beliefs that came with that, that I started to, with myself, just because um, I was being, like I've said, just I felt called to, to speak out loud that I wanted to let it go. And it was really that, like going back maybe 10 years ago, having very conscious moments with life where I, maybe it would start by me just standing next to a tree or standing next to the ocean and setting these intentions and saying, I release this belief of not being good enough and then using the ocean, using the water. I grew up in Australia, so it was easy. I was in and out of the ocean almost every day. So it was like using the ocean to allow that to to be released from my being. And I would have loved it to be like an overnight thing, but the more that I intentionally, willfully let it go and actually looked at it and said, I'm ready, like I don't want to carry this anymore, this mm. isn't who I am, the less grip it had on me. So <clears throat> I would say that's where a lot of the letting go ceremonies that I started to engage in and the new moon ceremonies, like way back, like 10 years ago, this is kind of how I found myself onto maybe my own spiritual journey was by noticing that if I sat with certain times of the month, whether it was the dark moon or the new moon, mm -hmm. and just sat there with myself in a candle and spoke out loud to life and said, I'm ready to let this go, that I felt there was greater power. The part in me that wasn't that could see it. I could, I could watch it. I could observe it. I could become more aware. And there was a moment I remember when I looked at myself in the mirror and I realized that I had been looking around my eyes for years and I hadn't actually looked at myself in the mirror and seen me. And I think it was a process of doing so much of this intentionally saying, I give this up, like I give this to you, I don't, you know, cutting the cords with this energy. And there was a moment where I looked at myself in the mirror and I saw me and I saw my eyes. I just welled up. It was so beautiful because I was like, there you are. I haven't seen you for so long and there you are and just that moment you know that was such a huge moment for me I've still got such a strong visual of me in the bathroom mm. you know and just seeing me and going oh gosh like how could that have ever been true mm. how could that have ever been true and I feel like we heal from my experience in spirals so <clears throat> I can come back round to that belief yeah. you know like maybe even before the podcast <laughs> Am I good enough to be on the podcast? And having that moment of like, mm. here it is. And maybe it's not completely gone away. Maybe it's just changed. Maybe it's just much less than it used to be. And um, through through saying yes to the things that allow me to grow, that prove to myself that I am enough, I'm constantly strengthening or feeding that wolf. You've heard of that mm -hmm. Native American mm -hmm. um, story the which wolf are you going to feed mm -hmm. and so it's it's that it's like I'm going to feed the wolf with the actions that I am choosing that constantly are reaffirming to myself that I am enough and it's now become really natural and I often it used to be day to day with me and now I don't think about it anymore yeah. so real shift but it, it takes time yeah yeah beautifully mm. said mm. powerful I mm. can relate hugely to mm. that and it's the power of the stories we tell ourselves, mm. you know, like that's a belief you created. Mm -hmm. um, also empowers you because you, you might realize at that point that you have 
told yourself this story for so long, like the power you've had to do that to you is equal to the power you've had to, to rewrite that for yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Take, taking on full responsibility mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to how you sh- are showing up for yourself and what you can then do with that rather than pointing to something external mm-hmm. and waiting for that to change for then for you to feel enough. Right. It's just so powerful when we take responsibility which is and then what happens when we validate ourselves mm-hmm. and that feeling from within rather than because i'm not enough i want you to tell me that i'm enough mm-hmm. I that, want... well that's the subconscious <clears throat> right we mm-hmm. start seeking mm-hmm. it from other people then the ego gets in the way and it tries to prove itself right which i find this, mm-hmm. is, this has come up so my ego would be somewhat satisfied when um say if i'm not good at something I feel that, and then it's it's proven to be right, or I'm I'm like waiting for mm. that to be proven right, mm-hmm. and it might be that I'm not enough, and then someone might behave in a way that makes me feel like oh, I told you, you're not worthy mm. of that, you're not worthy of love, you're not worthy mm-hmm. of being enough, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like the ego is always looking for that mm. to prove itself right. It's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Bruce Lipton talks mm-hmm. about that a lot, but yeah, it reminds me of lots of Joe Dispenza stuff about mm-hmm. how to really like go in and and, and wake up in the morning and. And just th- those affirmations that mm. are powerful and then can relieve mm-hmm. you from your own prison that you've, um, you've created for mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. But then also just shifting and changing and bringing awareness and like the power of that. But you have to believe mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Affirmations do not work or this stuff doesn't work if you really deep down are not believing what you're saying. Mm. So then mm. that requires the work to really go in and just understand like how are you how are you meeting this side of yourself mm. and and do you believe it's going to work mm. you know but yeah powerful mm. i think a lot of people can relate to that mm-hmm. for sure i think the power of seeing and imagination really comes into this mm-hmm. like can we paint pictures in our minds mm-hmm. not just that we see but that we feel that we pack with a lot of emotion that we can step into Mm -hmm. I feel that throughout my life there's been these visions of myself these images of myself these imaginings of you could call it what your higher self your future self I didn't even really know about this when I first started doing it I was just seeing a version of myself somewhere along the line and it was all my energy was streaming towards that and I knew that those were the steps that I was taking to get there and I didn't know how I was going to get there the power of those images it's it's incredible our imaginations are incredible mm-hmm. we have such a gift as hu- as human beings with our imaginations we don't even yet know the full potential of them yeah. and so I've, I've found that that's been a real ally for me is painting these pictures in my mind's eye and and staying true to them and joe Dispenza, interesting he's come up you know mm-hmm. he invites that doesn't he in his mm-hmm. meditations like Every day, what do you do? You keep seeing and strengthening those pictures mm-hmm. that you can step into. So, yeah, for sure. Mm. Even a, a future that you know is possible, there's something in acting as if it's now. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, like being in a future, like calling in a reality that you want, say it's global, say it's like in your community or in your work, whatever it might be, calling in how you want the future to be. And then once you start being that, you're really bringing it into the reality that you're experiencing now. How do you want to move, play? What does it look like to be in a space full of people that 
are connected are just really unconditionally loving mm-hmm. each other mm-hmm. and then being that mm-hmm. and, and then when mm-hmm. you imagine it and bring it into your reality <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're then creating it yeah yeah yeah, yeah and exactly that's really the only way to create change mm. is to really be that mm. so yeah you can use your imagination to bring it in mm. but then you, you find out you end up becoming it mm-hmm. you know it's interesting so this was t- 10 years ago you mentioned a long time ago, Around, like maybe, maybe even b- longer. Before you stepped into holding space and, and storytelling. Mm. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Yeah, uh-huh. I was in this conversation with myself for a long time before. And it was through doing it that then I was with people and I said, would you like to try this thing with me? Or I would just be in conversation, say I'd be at the beach with a friend and I would say this invocation out loud and they would say, can you teach me that? Or can I repeat it after you? So it happened really naturally, just literally by being with people or by placing my hand upon a tree or a, mm. and speaking. I, what was the thing you were speaking? Well, I was I so absolutely blessed to have just walked into an Aboriginal corroboree and ended up spending over a year and a half. What's a corroboree? Corroboree is a dance. It's like a dance festival. It's a meeting for Aboriginal mobs that they get together and they will do their dance and tell their stories and sing their songs and cook food under the earth. And so it's a meeting place um, for celebration and dances and lifting up the dreaming, their, their culture. And I happened to arrive into, in my early 20s, <clears throat> left the city and what I knew of white Australia and found myself at this corroboree and it turned into like a women's culture, not like it was, it was a women's culture and law camp and it ended up being for two weeks that I sat with these women, both white aunties and Aboriginal aunties and there was white young women that we were welcomed into that space and that time was such a huge doorway for me into understanding the earth and the power of the land is very much alive and I had absolutely no idea about this before having grown up in the city of Sydney and what was that experience like understanding <clears throat> or hearing that the, the it's, earth it's how, like how how do you actually put into words the, the the incredible miracle that the earth is a sentient and alive being that is aware of us, that is moving through us, that is us. And so what was happening, because I was so out of touch with that, and the Australian bush, for anyone that's been there, you would know it's so harsh, it's sharp, it's it, it hurts you. <laughs> so if you're not conscious, and at that point I was really unaware, I was at this corroboree and I was hurting myself, or the land was literally hurting me. It was telling me to wake up and it was, you know, sticks. I was stepping because there's so many bindies, these sharp things on the floor in Australia. Everywhere I was walking, just like full of these bindies. I was hitting my head, leaves and branches were slapping me in the face. It was <laughs> it was um, magpie sweeping season and the magpies get really territorial and they will come down and actually, no, they like peck your head. <laughs> okay, <a> <laughs> They wow. actually come to like swoop at you and hurt you, like get wow. away from my nest. So <clears throat> I was listening. You're I getting ambushed by I Mother Earth. I couldn't not listen. And um, yeah, I'm all, I'm wary of how much to share as well because a, a senior law woman, she said that um, what happens in women's law camps is for women and it can make men sick if you share 
what you, happened. You told me this before. Maybe. I've heard this. Maybe. I've heard this before, <clears throat> maybe from you, around, yeah, around <clears throat> this. What I will share, it's because a powerful idea. <clears throat> yeah, there was there was men that were cycling in and bringing us food from the land. They were bringing us turtles that they'd caught from the river. They were bringing us honey that they'd caught or they'd found from trees, and and it was like I was beginning to understand more about the dreaming and the the dream time, where you would dream things in or, or ideas or imaginings would come into your awareness, your imagination. And then those things would appear. So either you dream the turtle or the turtle would dream you and then the turtle would appear. These things where you're, you are so connected with the earth and through the ceremonies that we were doing and the songs that we were singing and the way that we were being painted up and the craft that we were making, there was one of the um, Aboriginal aunties, her name was Jinky, um, a lot of respect for her, she's from Broome. And she said, we, we're bringing you young white women into our ways. We're teaching you part of our culture because we want you to understand our connection and we realise that you are going to be walking into positions of power in your lives and we want you to carry this knowledge with you. So it was a real privilege to be in that cluster of women and to feel that the weight of that and that never left me. So they taught us about how to engage with the land. They were saying, you wouldn't just walk into somebody's house and open the door and go to the kitchen and pull out a cup of tea and this, this stranger is looking at you just like, who are you? What are you doing in my home? <laughs> what would you do? You'd knock on the door and you'd introduce yourself and you'd explain why you're there and what can you have, etc. So there were all different ways, but in simplicity, it was putting your hand on the earth and saying, hi, my name is Samantha. This is how old I am. This is the land that I came from, that I grew up from, that grew me up, the storylines of my childhood. And this is my intention for being here. I'm here to dance. I'm here to be with the women. <clears throat> I'm passing through here. I'm telling stories here. I'm camping here for the night. And it stayed with me so strongly, that teaching. I ended up um, going down to meet them at the Aboriginal tent embassy in Canberra and then out at Uluru in the desert for another culture and law ceremony with the women. So I, I travelled with them for a bit. <clears throat> that just went so deep in, you know, like even here, even in England. I've been here for four years and honestly everywhere I go I stop and I will speak to any nature being and I'll arrive at festivals and place my hands on the ground first thing when I get there. Hi, my name is Samantha. This is how old I am. This is my intention for being here. Thank you so much for having me. That's it. <laughs> 30 seconds. But showing that respect, introducing ourselves. I don't fully know what that is doing, but it feels right. And there's a part in me that exhales. I go, ah, oh, I can be here. And there's a part of that reciprocity that happens where some kind of energy, whatever you want to call it, the spirit in the land, the spirits that live there, the more than human others, the trees, the rocks, there is this thank you, great, we know you, you know, so <clears throat> that's how I started then being in my day-to-day -day life. My family had no idea what to do with that. I was keeping a lot of it to myself, mm. not doing it so openly. I was aware of like who yeah, I was important. around. Definitely, like absolutely discernment was a huge lesson in my 20s. Mm. Um, <clears throat> apart from the fact I was barefoot everywhere. My dad was like, can you please put shoes on? <laughs> but can, can you speak to that a little bit around, there's a, the, the polarity would be unapologetic 
everywhere you go and just being standing for your truth standing for what you feel is right etc mm -hmm. not just hiding for anyone but then what's important <clears throat> is knowing your audience mm -hmm. knowing what's gonna uh, wield great better mm -hmm. results for example gosh it's such a big question it's, it's the wisdom <clears throat> right yeah, it's the wisdom absolutely. how much to sh show at certain times yeah i think the the person that has spoken to this that really touched me was one of was my meditation teacher. His name's Tom Knowles. He teaches Vedic meditation. And he said, like, does the person that you're with show a receptivity or a willingness to know? Are they curious? Is there a curiosity in them? If there is, maybe there's an opening to share something. Not everything. Just what feels right. Mm. But if we're going around speaking our truth having this conversation with my partner speaking our truth constantly and people aren't ready to hear it it's exhausting. where it's exhausting but where is it landing and then what are we being met with and yeah. it's not so much about that but is it working <clears throat> you know is there well, yeah. what's the point in that and so i've really taken that on board like is the person that i'm with right now is there a willingness and a receptivity to learn or are they asking like is there a direct question can you mm. teach me about that can you tell me about that you know mm. what are you doing there like mm. how did you do that how and then it's like, it's okay, an there's an invitation. Yeah. So I think that those kinds of invitations for me have been the way to share, not before. And I, I admit, like, I've overshared in the early days and I wanted everyone to know the magic of life and how wonderful and beautiful it was, you know, and realised very quickly that I was being met by, you know, judgment and closed hearts and tons of projection and went, whoa, I've got to reel this in. This is not as safe to share as I would like. And touches on... <clears throat> I mean, I like calling it a magical path, you know, when you realise that life's alive and everything's aware of you and, you know, what do you do with that? Like, is it a conversation that you keep to yourself? Do you do you speak to life? Are you aware of the synchronicities? And when do you start to bridge that out into the world? And this has been a huge journey. You know, how much to share on social media? How much of, how much do you share about your life, about your magical craft, about who you are, about how you see the world? Mm. The witch, the witches were, weren't burned that long ago, you know? Like, I think that imprint of, is this safe, is still here. Yes. And That's I've, so big that you bring safety into it. Oh, my gosh. Is it safe mm. to do what we're doing? Like, mm -hmm. it, it's a real question that I hold with every post, with every story I put online with every like is this okay do I feel okay sharing this and where's the balance right I don't even know if I have the answer to this where's the balance between making this available to more people who are opening up and reeling it in and holding that preciousness and the mystery in our hearts for ourselves to let it cook like we don't reveal everything there's something there's power in mystery I think that's really important Big mm. lesson there. Mm. There's power and mystery. Mm. I feel I'm going through that in what to share because I feel like mm. I want to be that mm. open book mm. that I invite for other people. So there's nothing I'm hiding behind. And that's mm. like, it's one of my values. It's the integrity I've got. Can I just can be completely open and hide nothing? But there is something that's lost. There's a consequence of that. Mm. There's a mystery that... that, that is actually more powerful to perhaps, I heard this quote the other day, it's to preach everywhere you go, speak sometimes. <laughs> so preach, forever, preach everywhere you go and, and when words are needed, 
mm-hmm. than speak or something. Mm. It's like all beautiful because mm. we, we we're all we're always preaching what we're learning, and it's like an embodiment of the things that we want to hold close to us, value, mm. like want to bring mm. into the world. People like you that I gravitate towards so like oh, so so much. I gotta listen to you all day. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm so grateful for this conversation. But the, the people that I want to surround myself with and I'm inspired by hold things close to them and they, they preach with their their life, their mm. bodies, their mm. whatever they're wearing, whatever they're close to, whatever they want to, you mm. know, choose to do. Mm. Um, and words are a very small part of it, you know. Mm. But it's that, it is, okay, a big part of it, sorry. <laughs> I, know, I know, that's why but I'm like, laughing because it's true yeah, though. How funny yeah. is a storyteller, right, where yeah. words are like this beautiful craft mm. you know the old um Let's abracadabra yeah. as i speak i create in the beginning was the word like what is this the power of our words it's extraordinary mm. spelling what are we spelling you know what are we what are we painting into creation what are we calling forth into creation before i was a storyteller i was doing the i mean just side note we're all storytellers so that's ridiculous that we think we're not right human beings were constantly telling stories i just told a story about my life in australia and the aboriginal i would think maybe i'm not a storyteller but yes we're constantly telling stories but yeah it's interesting isn't it that like Mm -hmm. how can we this is the this is the power of poetry and story we're trying to find ways to express the unexpressible inexpressible Mm -hmm. you know how do we put words to something that's so um beyond words yeah i don't even know that this is look i'm lost for there words is a word that's for that. a, there's a word know, there's so a word funny the word it's for so that funny. is um what's the word when you it's there's no words for it ineffable <laughs> ineffable thank yes. you it was just floating around here with us <laughs> you got it ineffable <laughs> it's ineffable ineffable so that's it mm but it, this is the magic. This is what we can do in this conversation is really try and bring in mm. like how it's the alchemy of like experience, but then c- communicating that. This is how we evolved. We mm-hmm. evolved mm-hmm. way, um, I, I guess, like greater than any other species through our communication tools, through bonding and sharing in social circles and, and mm-hmm. being able to to communicate with each other that set us apart from any other species mm-hmm. we were able to do that we weren't the the strongest the fastest we were persistent but we also had social dynamics that really helped us hunt and prevail and, and, and move forward and the mind imagination <laughs> yes this is true our ability to tell stories our, yes our ability to see something and then mm. create it sure to imagine something and then build it to envision something and then step toward it. Mm. Wow. I don't know if there's any other creature, and maybe if anyone's listening, you can tell me that can do that. I don't I, I Maybe don't know. under the ocean. Maybe under the ocean, maybe the dream the dreams that they have, but like to actually build what we can do. Ha huh, it's yeah. so precious. What the mind can conceive we can achieve. <clears throat> there was I just feel to drop this little quote in, um, Bill Plotkin who have you heard of Bill Plotkin? Yeah, exactly. Animus Valley Institute um, works with uh, Vision Quest, um, works with like the, the mythopoetic lens and way of seeing the world as animate and alive and speaking to us. Mm. 
His partner, Janine Marie Horgan, is a doctor, and she has a doctorate in planetary imagination and the dreaming of the Earth, like the Earth's imagination, which is so beautiful. And she referenced somebody, I don't know the name of him, who said it's not the war on the physical that we need to be worried about, it's the war on the imaginal. It's the war on the imaginal. What are the pictures that we are being shown Mm. on the news, through video games, through Netflix, that we're becoming desensitized to and normalized that then we are stepping in to create from the pictures that we're seeing, from the feelings that we're seeing. So as creative beings, as poets, as storytellers, as dancers, as DJs, as musicians, as a human being, (laughs) we are inherently creative. What, What a responsibility to consider like what are the images that we are painting for people Mm. what are the worlds that we're painting in people's imaginations to offer whatever you want hope love new possibilities different ideas for different futures other realities that could be possible what do we want to step into Mm. i love this i love this idea of how powerful our imaginations are and this is something that i say to the storytellers the people that i hold workshops for is like we have this responsibility and it's beautiful and it's important and all of our imaginations and our voices are unique and what comes through me is going to be completely unique and what comes through you is going to be completely unique a lot of people don't realize the power of their voices the power of this unique current of energy of electricity a signature a transmission like whatever you want to call it And the more that I hear that when it's true and it's authentic, which is what I really encourage and love and support people to do, it it has such power to change and transform. We need more of this. Can you imagine if people were out there in the world speaking the unique soul signature alive in them, transcribed within them, that wants to be shared? Michael Mead is such a huge advocate for this. Do you like Michael Mead? Oh, he's like the grandfather of mythology in the world right now. <clears throat> Such a cool okay. dude. For anyone that's listening, um, check out his podcast, The Living Myth. Okay, great. Really amazing. Um, and finish he, this one and then go. Yeah, on. <laughs> definitely finish. Stay with us. Stay with us. <laughs> um, he says something like, everyone has a prayer inside of them. Everyone has a song inside mm. of them. Everyone has a dance. Everyone has a story inside of them. And... He speaks about this, there's some written text transcribed within our soul that wants to come out in some fashion. And so, you know, as we speak, we create. So what are we going to do? How are we going to help that part of us find a way out into the world? It's like a real longing we've come in with. It's real. How do we do that? How do we express that? Oh, so good. (laughs) So good. So you, you started off by invoking us to feel into how magical our words are Mm. and how much we can bring in and manifest our own reality Mm -hmm. with our words Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. our spells and then it's like what are we going to do for that Mm. that question Mm. questions are way more powerful than answers and just to feel into how are you going to create this reality Mm. there's such a empowerment within that Mm. the responsibility you've got to speak into every moment Mm. how has that changed for you over time bringing your awareness to um, the storyteller. It's funny, your the emotion that come up around, like, I am a storyteller. Right. Like, how ridiculous does that feel? <laughs> that you, you, so silly. Uh, that's a statement, but you're very aware that everyone is. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you're the reminder that everyone's a storyteller. 
like I'm a reminder mm-hmm. that you're a storyteller. It's right. like you're just a mirror. You're you're a mirror of a storyteller mm. to, to to let other people know that they are too. That's an interesting way of seeing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, mm. it's fascinating. Mm. That so can we break those things down? Because <laughs> I feel like it's it's important to get your take sure. on like soul and what that kind of animate way of, of thinking, but also that that soul speak mm. like what what is that that's mm. coming through mm. in, in your in the best your best words to mm. to try and break down or like what that soul is trying to invoke mm. in in this physical it's beautiful the way you frame that question by the way because i think a lot of people including myself in the past have gotten really hung up on like it's my voice it's my words it's my mm-hmm. but what if it was something moving through us with a perspective shift. Well, that's what people say when they're on stages. <clears throat> they lose. You hear this all the time. Mm. People that are on stage and they don't feel it's them. They're just mm. they're just there, and mm-hmm. they just have to make way for what's mm-hmm. coming through. And they often look up, and yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, I don't know. No one really knows. There's so much <laughs> mystery. <laughs> but okay. like that's a that's a common thing. Yeah, people feel um, channeling. <clears throat> Elizabeth Gilbert. Yeah. Um, in her TED talk, she spoke to this brilliantly about um, in in the past in ancient Greece, it was commonly known that there were day daemons, um, geniuses. There's lots of words, muses. You know, what do we call this kind of um, fountain mm-hmm. of inspiration that communicates with us? We can personify it. So the nine muses in ancient Greece these geniuses that would work with us and if someone got up on stage and did an absolutely brilliant performance people would applaud them but the next day they were seen as a normal human because that was the genius at work and if they did an absolutely terrible performance well everything would go back to normal because you know that was the genius so it took the pressure off the ego this idea of it was me and mine and I <clears throat> what does that mean? And how can we imagine that for ourselves that feels useful and helpful? And that's what I've been with for quite a few years now, inquiring into my own process of writing and receiving, more receiving stories. I realized that I wasn't often sitting and writing stories. I was imagining or dreaming with stories and images or storylines or characters would just pop up in my awareness. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do with this? So I realized, what is it that is sending these images, these feelings, these messages, these visions to me? And I termed it or named it, my own way of relating to it was the creative wellspring. And I came to understand that there is this ever-flowing, infinite wellspring of divine inspiration, whatever you feel you want to call it, that is constantly flowing, always overflowing. We can at any time go to drink from this wellspring and receive inspiration. And there's many ways that we can do that. However, if we have, I've, I've also, I've written a whole story about the wellspring and what gets in the way. And for the use of the blocks or the obstacles, I, I've called them the rock people, the frozen people outside the cave of the wellspring that are stopping the waters from flowing. And who are these rock people? The, the beliefs in us that I'm not good enough that I'm not a storyteller, I'm not an artist, I can't create, I'm not creative, I don't have a creative bone in my body. You know, whatever the things were that we were told that freeze, you know, into shape, that stop a be- 
<laughs> that stop a beautiful river of ideas and imagery flowing and it becomes a trickle and then we think that we're not good enough and we can't do it and we're not creative it's like what's in the way of the thing from flowing again like it's not that I had to learn that I'm good enough it's I just had to take the thing away that was telling me I wasn't and then suddenly this thing just naturally flows because as human beings we're creative that's, yeah. how, that's just so natural I'm on the back of one of my t-shirts <laughs> one of my favorite quotes I have to share mm. it's don't go looking for love remove everything that's blocking it yes it's such a powerful mm -hmm. idea mm -hmm. feels like with our creativity it might be at the forefront you know, to actually allow our creativity to unleash or be expressed or find flow or freedom. What are the things in the way and, and how do we see them and get help to shift them? Mm, so these rock people. Mm, so it's how, a good image, isn't it? Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> mm. So how do they come into the story and what would you say mm. um, is their mission in a way? Because... Mm. If everything is animate, then I don't know. It's like the polarities that we exist in, right? The polarities of hmm, of you as a channel, but then the, y you feeling like y you can do anything, you're, you're fully creative, but then all the blocks that come in the way of that, mm. like what are they? What, what are they here to do? Keep us safe sure lean into the don't do that <laughs> don't do that don't go over there they have it they, they there's there's a I, I, everything I, has a it, i think it's really important we don't demonize them sure yeah you know this like evil wrong bad, Good, maybe, bad language i like their time is you know when we get to a point where we can hold ourselves and we're ready to see them that the different aspects of ourself can step to the fore and say i've got this now Thank you to this part, this mm. rock person, yeah. for keeping me safe. Mm. Thank you for playing your role. Bill yeah. Plotkin calls it the loyal soldier. Yeah. The war's finished, but that loyal soldier is still armed, ready for battle. Don't do that. Don't go there. We're not little anymore, you know. Maybe it's from a past life, depending on what you believe in. How do we let these aspects of ourselves know that it's safe, that they can relax, that I've got you now? that I'm here, that I'm I'm solid, that I'm looking after it, that I'm driving the car, I'm steering the ship, I've got this. And you can relax. <clears throat> so there might be, and this is through my own journey, almost like um, soul retrievals, mini soul retrievals, where the parts of us that have had to do this kind of work to keep us safe, to help us survive, can fold back in, can be held and, and dissolve into our own care and love for ourself. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I, I think it's really important for these aspects of ourselves that we see them. They can be really strong. They can be really violent. They can be really mean. The inner critic can be so mean. Some of these voices, right? So we almost need to find the strength within us, the healing, you know, whatever. When, 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 when we're ready, we have enough resources to be able to meet it, to see it, to name it, to externalize it, to draw it, to write it. What are the things that it's saying to you? And how do we become more aware of that dialogue and strengthen the aspects of ourself that can say, I hear you, but actually I'm okay. Or actually this is what I'm choosing. Or actually I'm going to show up anyway. And until we find the strength, like the hero's journey, right? To actually mm -hmm. rise above and face that fear. Mm -hmm. Step into the cave that we're scared to enter. Mm -hmm. Slay the dragon. Step over the cavern. Unless we meet that and rise above... 
will constantly be met and fall prey to that voice. There's got to be enough of us, strong enough within us, supported enough within us to really meet those voices and say, thank you, Mm -hmm. but I've got this now. Yes, absolutely. And in that, bring in the imagery of the cave that we're scared to enter, we find the treasure that we seek. Mm -hmm. There's the medicine. When it transforms, it's so beautiful. There's the treasure. There's the riches. And then almost, I think, because I've been on such a big journey with self-worth, lack of self-worth, self-doubt, I'm not good enough. This is now what I feel I can support others with because of that transformation. Mm -hmm. So it's like our pain and our wounding really does aid us in our ability to help other people do that too. So it's like, what are your frozen people saying to you? And how can that actually be used as your superpower too? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, often our superpowers are also our kryptonite. Mm. But they can be our kryptonite first, the things that really hold us back, but then how to go in, which sounds like you did for Mm -hmm. a long time. Still doing. Yeah, still doing, still going back (laughs) there for for treasure, right? just just for healing actually <laughs> just for healing just to help but the alone. treasure is that your healing process will then <laughs> be help well you're trying to I'm deny laughing, it i'm laughing at the treasure go in for the treasure <laughs> but it's treasure for other people it's yes, treasure for other people absolutely. it might not feel that for you yeah at the yeah. time but it's your your journey and the the things that you bring back from that experience the way you were able to alchemize something totally. or the way you were able to move through it then invites that into other people yeah. gives them the permission to know it's possible totally totally mm-hmm. it's so, so it's so worth enter pro- projections here because mm. the demons that we're talking about mm. and l- also inviting in a holding of that and not a rejection because mm. when we reject hero's journey mm. into the shadows mm. when we mm bad mm-hmm. emotion, mm-hmm. bad anger, mm-hmm. bad mm-hmm. masculinity, mm. bad this, bad that mm. goes into the shadow and mm. then we project that in front of other people. Mm. I often think about um, mm. people people quite close to me that are demonstrating the same behaviours behind closed doors that they're um, projecting onto other people that isn't okay. For example, mm. clumsiness, messiness. That's not okay for other people to do that. But behind closed doors, you see they're exactly like that. It's really interesting to, to observe. Wow. And no right or wrong, good or bad. It's just this is our humans. Um, this is our human psyche. Mm. It has has evolved, or, or what happens when you do force things, and you don't accept things about yourself. You think that you label them bad, and you think that's not good, and then you end up rejecting that mm. from other people even mm. greater mm. that makes sense mm, totally yeah mm. can you talk a bit about can, can i also yeah, just yeah. add because it right. might <clears throat> just that I, I really it just feels important to mention that mm-hmm. like i have received a lot of support in that process mm-hmm. over my life and have sought out spaces where i've felt really held and and safe to be able to do that yes i've done a lot of it on my own, mm-hmm. but I've, I've really intentionally been in spaces with mentors and elders, yeah. like and teachers and guides, where I have been held enough to be able to do that. And I, I just speak so much for that. Do you know what I yeah. mean? There's, it's we need we need that. So, 
I, I just feel like that there's responsibility piece in that too for, for anyone sure. that's wanting to do this kind of work that you find people that feel safe to you to be able to lean yeah. into how important has it been in your journey then just to speak to this how important <laughs> has it been in your journey to be around people that see you mm. i feel that question it's it's so pivotal mm. in young people's lives mm. in, it's been in my life to have someone that i respect uh, that yeah. sees me this is like I, mm. I i see you maybe not with words but mm -hmm. they give you a platform mm -hmm. they give you mm -hmm. time space whatever it might be mm -hmm. but you feel seen i feel that is mm. what's going up <laughs> no i just think it's absolutely beautiful what you're speaking yeah. to and, and i couldn't agree more how important that is mm -hmm. and and something about being seen but also being safe to be you to you make know? mistakes. <clears throat> I think I had become contorted into such a shape from my upbringing. I was so far removed from who I truly was that being with these kinds of teachers and elders and leaders and, and mentors and, and just aunties, you know what I mean? Like just literally older people that are like, come here and just sit and just let's make something together. I'll make you a cup of tea. Like that simple. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like those contorted, distorted aspects of myself that had to play these games or or run these programs could soften and realise that I didn't have to do that anymore. So it's like a melting and a softening into our natural shape when people allow us to be who we are simply by seeing us like you're saying. How does that then allow us to come home to who we truly are? And it's not the easiest of journeys in a culture where so many people want to hold you in a certain shape that is really not who you are or not good for you and so there's no coincidence that I've moved to the other side of the world to find more spaces and places where I feel exactly what you're talking about I can be safe to really breathe out into my my true shape my sense of self my embodied soulful self that can really express freely Mm -hmm. So it's a big journey and um, it's meant a lot of letting go. And so I just want to speak to anybody that's on that journey that feels like <clears throat> the environment that they're in isn't supporting them or they feel that there's a just a lack of holding or support that um, that you find those spaces, however small, that you can lean into, whether it be a coffee shop or a friend on the phone or you know, a, a teacher that you find online or a book that you can relate to or a journal that you can write in. You know, there's so many ways we can find that safety and reflection. Just don't give up, like keep going because life will continue to reflect back the parts of you that you keep stretching out into and focusing on and breathing into. Mm -hmm. And suddenly then you're swimming in a sea of people that just see you and celebrate you and mm -hmm. love you the more that you can do that for yourself. But it starts small. So, Start small. And yeah. there's, there's no quick fixes <clears throat> or shortcuts. Well done. Yeah. Well it's, said. It's powerful to go back to belief. You have to believe it's possible, because if mm -hmm. you don't, you're then inviting in mm -hmm. the not possible in every moment. You're bringing that belief, <laughs> like your belief, shaping your reality. Mm -hmm. If you don't believe it's possible, then you're going to reinforce it everywhere you go, and that's often what mm -hmm. happens. Mm -hmm. um, so it's almost like. There's, a, there's, I think, two key words here. Worthiness, like I am worthy. I am worthy for, mm -hmm. to, I am worthy to be seen. It's a big one. I'm worthy to be safe. Yeah. I'm worthy to be creative. Mm -hmm. And also permission. We have to give ourselves permission because maybe that permission was taken away from us. 
So how do we give ourselves the permission? I give myself permission to look after myself. I give myself permission to make myself feel safe. I give myself permission to eat well. I give myself permission to dance. You know, like, there's something in that. Why are we holding ourselves back? There's a permission piece. Mm. Yeah. So what is it? What do you need to give yourself permission to do or to feel or to be or to create? Yeah. Yeah, and know that you deserve it. That's like back to the worthiness. It's like Mm. you have to feel. Because... It's nothing's going to work unless you feel like you mm-hmm. you mm. are deserving of everything that's going to come. Mm-hmm. Or it will come and it will pass you by. You're not going to see it. You're not going to really feel it because you don't think it's it's what you deserve. Because, again, back to the story that you're telling yourself. And mm. um, I think a big one that's navigated my whole journey of of a decade is what it means to be human and the story we tell ourselves around what it is to be human you know is it does it mean that we're creative are we not creative like what stories have we bought into Mm. of like what it means to be human Mm. and it Mm. i've arrived at understanding that we have the capacity for so much Mm -hmm. so really it depends on environment (laughs) (laughs) your environment really um shapes and molds you big time mm-hmm. pressure yeah. like if you look at water what natural state is 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 water it depends on so much temperature pressure like it can be many different things and so so can we in that how has environment shaped you i think over the <laughs> over the years and you just mentioned about moving out of an environment mm-hmm. that perhaps didn't serve you mm-hmm. maybe it's the people or the, mm-hmm. the buildings or the, the infrastructure mm. um yeah the kind of framework of where you live infrastructure is an interesting one because if we look at where we live it's like what infrastructure have we got Mm. to support our health Mm. um what does support us and in all the ways that we need it um but moving to the uk Mm. what journey what was that journey like for you in coming here were you alone did you feel alone like i I would love to go back there to revisit (laughs) of, of how that the landing here was for mm. you. That's just such. Thank you, thank you for asking, because it's just taking me to hmm, remember very powerful um, change. And you speak to environment, and thank you. I was literally having this chat with someone this morning about the power of our environment. <clears throat> um, so I had just come out of the first vision quest that I had ever sat in, in Australia. I think it was 2018. And what came super clear, because I took in some very powerful questions around service and what my gifts and talents were that I was here to bring in this life. And the response was story and ceremony. And I was like, ah, yes. It was just absolutely so clear from my journey that these were the things that I adored, that adored me, that I was willing to continue to be in devotion and commitment to. And I'd walked with story in Australia, finding any kind of fire and stage to perform on, just to play with. I'd memorised all these children's books in Australia, just had just to start, because I didn't even know where to start. <laughs> there wasn't a storytelling subculture over there like there is here. There weren't storytelling teachers or mentors. There was just this... Um, a 
a moment in Oz with a very supportive group of people on New Year's Eve and they said, go on, do something, like share something, a workshop with us. So there was about 40 of us and I went off into the Australian bush and just walked around the landscape where we were by this incredible lake and started to hear um, or see a story. It was just like, you know, there were there, apparently the year before some of the people that had gone to this site had seen this little blue fairy. And, you know, it was this like legend of the blue fairy. And it was just the whole land was just singing of this fairy's journey. And I walked through the land and just managed to like, didn't even manage. It was just like, and then this happened and then this happened. And then I was, it was like I was being told, get the group to stop here and do this with, with the character in the story and get them to, you know, little rituals along the way. We ended up at this great tree on the eve of New Year's, just like tying our intentions onto this tree. And and having gone on this interactive, immersive storytelling adventure, which I didn't even know that's what it was. I'd never done anything like it. And people came up after, and oh, was that drama therapy? Was that, <laughs> like, what was that? Was that, that was, theater. what was that? And I was like, I don't know. But it, it really, out of everything in my life that I'd experienced, it was the most true, enlivening, inspiring thing I'd ever experienced <clears throat> and I honestly in that moment stood on the ground I remember it I was just like this is what I've got to follow I don't care what else but this is it you know and I did until that point at the vision quest where you know I was involving myself in stories wherever I could and then Martin Shaw came up teacher mythologist who lives in Dartmoor Devon and I came out with Martin Shaw in my head and his course story ceremony and Martin Shaw Turns out the friend who wasn't a friend, but this was happened, turned into a friend, was vision questing on the site far from me, about 100 metres away from me, also came out talking about Martin Shaw. <laughs> and he was like, I've got to go study with Martin Shaw. And I was like, I, I think I do too. <laughs> We'd never met. And, and turns out we both got in to Martin Shaw's year-long training the next wow. year. I was 20th on the waiting list. 20 people dropped out and I managed to get a place <laughs> the month before and I had a month to decide was I going to move to the UK for six months and got on the plane and when I landed in the when I was on the plane in my head I'd been to London once and I was like why am I going to this country like out of all the places in the world that I could be going why here I didn't I just heard from a friend who said I think you'll like this town in Devon it reminds me a lot of a town that you lived in back home in Australia in the Byron Bay Shire. And I had, I didn't really, I didn't look it up. I didn't see any images of it. I was like, okay, I'm getting off at London, getting a train straight to this town and arrived 30 hours later or something ridiculous because, you know, from the other side of the world, totally jet lagged, listening to all the English accents, standing at the train station, looking around just like, okay, I'm here. In six hours, I kid you not, six hours of being from that train station, dropping my bag off to someone that was going to have me stay the night, I ended up meeting future friends. I just walked into a restaurant. Oh, you're here. Would you like to have dinner with us? The guy who I was studying with was like, oh, we were all just going to have dinner with our new friends from England. Do you want to stay? Sure. Turns out that one of them had a spare room, went back to their room that night to their house. They ended up being my housemates for a year some of my closest friends for since I've lived in the UK, all within, so at midnight that night, I'd found my future home that I was going to be based in. Little did I know COVID was on the horizon, lockdown was on the horizon, 
And when that came to pass, the Aussies who were local, who were with me, went home. But my body and my being was like, no, you've got to stay. And it was so clear. There was no part of me that was getting on the plane to get back. And it was almost as if when I landed in the UK, there was like a, like a tap in my imagination that got turned on. And I was dreaming with stories and I was journaling with stories and like walking with the stories. So that moment of being in the Australian bush and the stories coming, it happened over there. But it was like on, it was amplified in Devon. And I was, <laughs> there was this moment like a couple of months into my trip where I like closed this spare bedroom and I had butcher's paper all over the walls and I had like four stories speaking to me. And it was amazing. I was like this wonderful, mad, creative woman, just like writing characters, ideas, themes, storylines. Had no idea what they were, but I was trying to thread them together. I was like, what are you saying to me, you know? So <clears throat> my process with receiving and imagining and dreaming and creating and crafting stories, when I even say I create them, really deepened in my time over here the permission to do this kind of work fully stretched out because people didn't know me before I came here they couldn't hold an idea to me I, I was allowed to be myself here and so the magical abilities that I'd called forth in the vision quest could really more fully express when I landed so that's from that moment on, like from moving to the UK, I'd say there's been hundreds, maybe 300 plus stories that just I've been in conversation with, communion with, told around fires and they come and then they go. You know, a lot of these stories, like I've told once and then never again. They're for that moment <clears throat> around that fire with that group, like you saw at Medicine Festival, you know, just like drop the story into the fire. And then that's the prayer for that moment for those people. And yeah. then the next event, there'll be another story. Like the deep listening, like as bards, like what did we do? We were receiving stories from the earth. We mm. were singing up these tales from the land. Yes, stories, folk stories passed down total respect to these old, old stories, myths, folks, folk stories that have been passed down from mouth to mouth to mouth to mouth to mouth over. Such power in that. And why is there so much information at this time that wants to be spoken and shared? Why is my heart and my mind and my imagination flooded with imagery and feeling and characters that want to be spoken into existence and then just travel on their way? Like, what is that about? Do you think it's unique to this time? No. However, maybe it's needed at this time. And maybe we're remembering and maybe there's more energy available at this time to support this kind of work. So maybe like a visionary artist, they're doing it through the paintbrush or through a singer, they're doing it through the lyrics of the song. <clears throat> and my creative heart and mind works with story. It's like, oh, play with this image. Oh, see this vision. Oh, like there was a man at Love Jam and Medicine who was weaving this tapestry. Did you see him? Oh my gosh. For anyone that saw him, just incredible. Had a near-death experience had super strong visions, decided for the first time in his life to weave a tapestry, was weaving these visions he was seeing live at these festivals for hours in deep meditation with string. Oh my gosh. And this whole, you could call it a story, but it was a vision, it was a tapestry, it was a web. And I was like, huh. I felt such a resonance because I was like, I can feel, tell, that's what's happening with me with the stories. 
you know there's it's there there i'm being shown things this is why i hesitate to say mm. i'm a writer or an author you know it's like i i, I receive i'm i'm a strong receptive yeah. um, conduit you could say i feel like you're turning on a different side of your brain that we're mm. not used to mm. this is mm. coming to me now mm. like there's something mm. around the, the hemispheres of the brain mm. and we mm. live in one of them mm. a lot mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and when you open up in this way mm -hmm. and the conversation that's <clears throat> happening that everything's speaking to us mm -hmm. that whether it's through mm -hmm. forest fires or mm -hmm. through climate change mm -hmm. whatever it might be there's something we get feedback energy is being changed and translated through it all and we do get feedback between how we treat the soil mm. for how we treat the trees like whatever it might be mm -hmm. and all this information mm. maybe is heightened at this time maybe I think so. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. I do, do want to bring in around the fire at medicine. So there's something that happened. I'm not sure if it was you or someone that followed you, but they talked about what happened around the storytelling circle. There was like a dragon in the fire. Is that? It was a firebird. What went oh on? Oh my gosh. That moment was so incredible. Can't so it even was, tell so you. I think um, it's absolutely yeah, incredible. someone was telling me about what, what, how this was unfolding. <laughs> Thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, I think uh, Ben Christie told me about it. Mm. He was there and I was like, was Sam there? And he was like, yeah, I think maybe. <laughs> but yeah. So the firekeeper came up to me before the story. Was he the guy that was sat in the chair mm. that, that was playing an instrument? No, that was the musician that was supporting me. Yeah, Because he was... I know, Kai, Kai well. multi-instrumentalist, mm. actually taking this story for the first time ever on tour because it was that. It had such an impact for me and everyone. It was like, wow. whoa, this, this is one that needs, this telling needs to again. travel. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Um, it's, called the it's called The Legend of the Firebird. Mm. And <clears throat> so the firekeeper came up to me and he just said, are there any animals in the story? Because I can, with the coals, paint them out of the fire. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's very cool. And this story features the four ancient Celtic gods that live in the direction, the Hawk of Dawn, the Salmon of Wisdom, the Stag in the Heat of the Chase, and the Great Bear in the Starry Heavens. So they all come into this myth in some way. And I said, yeah, there's a firebird. At the end of the story, the firebird returns. Can you paint that? And he said, that's going to be perfect because we will have, have had enough coals by the end of the story. I didn't know that him and the other firekeeper apparently the whole time was just like looking at me waiting, waiting, waiting. When this I'm talking is like the last 10 minutes of an hour story, right? So they're like on the edge of their toes, just like waiting for this moment. And then eventually I nod to them after the whole hero's journey. The protagonist has gone into the other world, the shadow world, to retrieve the healing waters and make her return. <clears throat> I don't want to say too much because it's just such an epic tale and if you do come to one of these stories live it'd be amazing and oh yeah so this egg that is sitting in this tree that has been prophesized to be a firebird that will return at some point is a legend that's been passed down from this tribe through like hundreds and hundreds of years through their stories and their myths and their legends and they honor this great ancestral tree and as the water for the first time arrives back into the parched lands of the east, it surrounds the tree. The tree drinks up the water and then the fire bird cracks out of the egg. 
And that was the moment that they painted the firebird on the fire. So there I am explaining the resurrection of this firebird, the phoenix. And it's flapping its wings and it's coming to life and it's bringing balance to the world. It's bringing light to the day and day to the night. It's almost like creation story, how day and night came to be. Mm-hmm. And there before us in fire art, out of coals, is the firebird. Like live, we literally watched it be painted in out of coals in the fire. I can't, it was just, oh my gosh, I would... I've never experienced anything like that. And I wonder, like, how do we bring fire art into stories more? Mm. Being around the fire is, for me, the best place to tell stories, without a doubt. But it's like, how could, imagine that. Imagine if there was fire art at every story. That would be so cool. Amazing. So, yes. Yes. The firebird returned very much for all of us in that moment. It was very cool. Beautiful. Mm. I'm called to ask, what's been the biggest impact of you telling stories? Is there like a common thread that impacts people the most? That people Mm. return and perhaps you were the seed that they they needed to to Mm. invoke it in them or Mm. how they choose to describe or show up and Mm. speak to the things that are important to them within story, Mm. through story. Mm. Because the collective consciousness, there is... That's why the hero's journey shows up in all areas of the world. Like it is a common collective mm. experience that we all have. And mm-hmm. it seems to be some sort of like Carl Jung talked about it. It's like the um, collective archetype or perhaps it's it's the a similar theme that throughout the world, it's like, a, a, you know, the arc of the. The hero's journey mm-hmm. is the thing mm-hmm. that we can all relate and mm-hmm. interact with and it seems to be mm-hmm. some sort of collective understanding oh yeah absolutely yeah. you're talking to the kind of mon- the monomyth that joseph campbell named mm-hmm. <clears throat> um some returning to your question because stories travel through all of our life and in our life we go through many cycles of the hero's journey What Martin Shaw helped me to understand is that myth and story, um, they work almost like mythic or soulful psychic acupuncture. So the images or the feelings or the places in the story that stick with you, at the end of a story you might be left with one or two images that are really alive in you. This is what I do as well at the end of the stories that I tell. I'll invite often just to sit with what is the image that is alive in you find your way into the story what is the the what is where are you in the story where are you in that story and just let it speak to you and then we feed the story as if you choose to see it the stories are alive and we feed the story with these images we'll speak them out loud without our personal experience not like i relate to this because <clears throat> The, when the fire bird broke out of the egg, when the water returned to the dry lands of the east, you know, we speak these images aloud and it feeds. It's like this cacophony of voices from all directions that just feed the story. And if we journey with those images, it speaks to us. It shows us parts. What do we need to see within ourselves that that image might be mirroring, revealing to us what parts of ourselves might be in exile that it's pointing to? It's almost like it helps with retrieving parts, it's a, which is where Carl Jung and his process of individuation comes in mm-hmm. to return these parts to wholeness. 
So the stories are going to speak to everyone differently, and that's the beauty of them. <clears throat> so I've had people coming up telling me that the stories that they've heard, that I've told, have guided them to do all kinds of things, but it's not me. It's how is the story speaking to them, and what were they ready to receive and hear, and how was that going to impact them at that point in their life? And I, I just want to add to the end of this question that actually what, as a storyteller, makes me feel so connected to this is the look on people's faces <laughs> the grown adults because i love telling stories to adults I, I i really like telling stories to kids but there's a difference i love yeah. telling stories to yeah. adults like it's yeah. a real because you see these fully grown serious human beings being very serious and part of society honestly melting and the faces of the inner children that mm. come forward and the crossed legs and the slouching and the hands and the face and the hands and the looking up. It's like suddenly I'm sitting with a whole circle of children who are adults who are desperately hungry for a story, who have longed and yearned and craved and wished and they didn't even know that that's what they wanted. But it touches such a deep part in us that wants to hear a story, that wants to be taken on a journey, that wants to go somewhere, you know, magical, like take me there. Like it's in us. That's what we love as humans. That's how we connect. Mm. So that for me is the soul medicine. It's speaking to the young ones and all of us and calling us back to our remembering, calling us back to our wholeness, calling us back to what's true, calling us back to our home in ourself. So precious. So beautiful. Mm. I don't want us to end. I think that is an amazing. <laughs> we we place can wrap it up <laughs> to end this conversation with mystery mm. intact, mm. not to exhaust ourselves and yeah, keep continuing you. to dive down these amazing, <laughs> mysterious rabbit holes, which I'm loving. The conversation will continue for mm. sure throughout mm. our lives. Mm -hmm. I'm so mm. passionate about spreading your wisdom mm. with other people, inviting people into your space, mm. and you. telling many people about what you're doing <laughs> and how you're speaking to life and mm. how you're living your life mm. i really see you mm. like i really do it's amazing you're like a real sister i see <laughs> myself in you got a similar face i think <laughs> but something if we did like a face swap it would nothing would happen <laughs> should we do it i don't know maybe. <laughs> um but yeah Back to the serious. Back to, back, back to being serious adults. Serious about serious you. Adults. I'm serious about your work, mm. and I wouldn't even call it work. It's just mm. what you've chosen to, mm. um, what you've chosen to to take on mm. board, and mm. yeah, continue to mm. show up for. It's mm. powerful, mm. and you're so mindful of of how you're treading, mm. what you're treading, um, how you're stepping gently into the world that I see mm. and uh, <clears throat> I'm curious to learn more about you because I feel like this is like a snapshot of like <laughs> I need to be in, in, a, in a space that you're mm. uh, creating mm. this magic um, and inviting so much on the story it's beautiful that <clears throat> in a story there's a place for everyone I love that I love that from the beginning to the potential end i don't know but it's like throughout the story there's a there's a space for everyone to kind of fit in their own mirroring of, of what's true for them mm. um but yeah thank you so much this has been an absolute joy absolute joy go talk to me go on you're bursting <laughs> to say more 
<sighs> what do you want to speak to right now? Is there any thing you want to also invite into mm. for people to, um, yeah, potentially leave them with or plant any seeds or what's <sighs> been um, what's been alive in you recently that you want to speak to? Was really uh, foster the voice that is encouraging you to create and express and allow yourself, give yourself permission. That might be absolutely massive to do. Baby steps. Uh, we all can do this. This isn't something that <clears throat> I uniquely have access to. It's a muscle that builds over time. And it's a conversation that deepens and develops. And so we, we have to start somewhere. So find the place and the find what excites you. Find what inspires you. Find what lights you up because that is your pathway in. That is going to be completely unique for yourself. Nobody else is going to share that. And so you need to believe in it. It is precious. It is so precious. It is so worthy. The journey is so worthy. It's not easy, but it is so worthy. So like you have all my support and all of my encouragement to follow what feels true and find the small spaces in your life where you can make more space and more time for that. It's powerful. Yeah, that's the message that I'd like to leave. What an invitation. Mm. Mm. Beautiful, Sam. Thank you so much. Oh, hey. Be okay to share a little. Absolutely. About. I was gonna. <laughs> I was gonna <laughs> ask us to leave us with a little, <clears throat> little something, something. Yeah, I feel like the, the. I feel like we're like trees, and um, over the last few years, my the tree of my expression has been bearing more fruit and there's just like a beautiful mm. amount of fruit that is hanging off the trees that I can share at the moment. Yeah. So I just love people to know what what kind of fruit that they can eat and reach out for if they're interested. Yeah. Um, feels important maybe to start with the creative mentorship and mentoring, like if people feel that they're ready to take steps towards their creativity and and find their voice, their prayer, their story, their dance, their song, to be shared that I'm supporting people through that process now <clears throat> with different lengths of time but also with envisioning so there's a creative mentorship there's an envisioning mentorship to see the life like we were saying that you really want to embody and then to take the steps to bring that into your experience and, and call that alive in your life so those are the two ways I'm working one-on-one -on -one with people um, all with creative beautiful ceremonial holding and storytelling ceremonies. Oh, I've got the last one happening in Devon tomorrow night. I've been running these for over a year and a half. Beautiful, deep, sacred spaces with original stories and rituals. If you want a storytelling ceremony somewhere where you are at an event, I absolutely love it. And yeah, I'd be so happy to talk to you about how to make that happen. Um, I'm taking the story from Medicine Festival and Tour um, to four different locations end of October and November. So maybe you could put it somewhere or people can just find me on my socials and check it out the legend of the firebird really excited first time ever i'm going on a storytelling tour in the southwest of england so that's cool sacred storytelling retreat oh my gosh this is happening in two weeks it's now sold out and uh -huh. it's just very cool 
<clears throat> the next one is going to be happening, I think, in June next Where year. Where is the Sacred Storytime Retreat? It's happening over at the Enchanted Glade. Uh-huh. Um, glamping location in the Ashdown mm-hmm. Forest um, with a wild spa mm-hmm. underneath between London and Brighton. So that's happening in two weeks. The next one's going to be next year, maybe in the UK, but also maybe in f- south of France. I've Ooh. seen that on your website, yeah. Ooh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God, you checked out my website. You're on it. You're Check on it. Okay, cool. Website. Cool. And if you can't make any of the events in person, then I offer a six-week flagship storytelling, sacred storyteller workshop online. This is the sixth round. I've had, like, yeah, maybe 35 people go through this particular training now. Mm. How long is that? It's six weeks. And it's a deep dive into this way of relating to the wellspring within you, clearing the blocks. We look at the rock people, one-on-one work with me to be able to shift those. And then you create and craft your own original story. And then there's a ritual around sharing it, being seen and heard in that container. Really transformational experience. And it leads into a nine-month mentorship sacred storyteller mentorships on just at the end of nine months with two groups one in australia and one in the uk so i just wanted to like lay that out on a platter and basically say like if you are interested in stories or ceremony or ritual or creativity or envisioning or living a more embodied and satisfying creative life this is what i'm supporting people with now and have been for a while but yeah thank you please reach out to me if you feel to Beautiful. Might catch me around a fire soon. Oh, yeah. oh. hey, <laughs> perfect on cue. <laughs> Beautiful, yeah, honestly. And anything you'll be fully participating in? Are you doing any <clears throat> festivals or are you? I mean, that's kind of happened in summer, hasn't yeah, it? Next year, definitely, definitely, yeah. all over the festivals. Nice. Please come, come to the festival. Let's be around Love a fire it. together. The clarity in in your work is is beautiful. Mm. Thank you, thank mm. you. Mm, thank yeah, you beautiful. thank you for having me thank you everyone nice yeah. to connect I'll give you a hug are we done? we're done <laughs> you want to keep going hello we're back <clears throat> maybe do you want to share like a story I've got a little story a little I know you've got two snippets on your website of um mm. all that you are mm. and the other one mm. uh, the dancing with the trees or dancing with women or something about feminine <clears throat> i got a, i got a different one that i could share yeah beautiful <laughs> <Let's do it. clears throat> i've like forgotten day and time in here it's like a little it's a vortex no, i know <laughs> this is what happens <laughs> this is an original story poem called the ancient hymns they say that there are thousands of ancient hymns buried in the ground. They're covered in bones and soil and debris. They're not wanting to be found, but they could feel the ripples on the surface of the earth, the humans' violence and greed. And the prophecy said that they would return to meet a desperate need. Well, things had gotten so dark on the earth There was waste scattered all over the place. You see, the humans, they'd forgotten to care for their mother. And their disrespect was a disgrace. And so the hymns, they started singing because they wanted everyone to know. The keys to loving peacefully, the truth to help them grow. And those who were listening, with their ears pressed close to the earth, 
Well, our great mother began whispering the many secrets of rebirth. This was a time of great healing, and our mother put out the call. And so many people began to gather in different circles, great and small. They danced around the fire. They sang into the flame. And it offered them hope and new ideas, and it took away their pain. Joy and peace returned, flourishing in their hearts, offering them visions of a different potential. It was a hopeful future at last. They channeled and created art, offering beauty to their great mother, and they came together unified with all their different sisters and brothers. These hymns now move throughout them, expressing themselves as love, reminding them of their connection to all below them and above. This knowledge is protected by the brilliant violet flame, so anyone who embodies it will never be persecuted again. So rise all of you friends and family with this love beaming from your hearts for you are the hymns embodied you are the hymns embodied offering this world a brand new start thank you for choosing to be here in these dark and strangely beautiful times i'm so glad that you've returned as pure expressions of divine so here we are, together, on this earth with beautiful old rocks and sacred ancient trees, remembering to offer respect to our great mother, to love ourselves, and to simply be. May this story bless all those that heard it. May this story bless the one who received and told it. And may this story be a blessing and a gift, an offering to the earth from which it came. I bless it be. Thank you people for listening all the way to the finish line. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Best Way and Zero Cost Way, to support the channel. In addition, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify and leave up to a five-star review. This helps the podcast tremendously. If you have any questions or comments, please, or people you would love me to get in contact with and get on the podcast, then please head over to my YouTube channel and say so in the comments. Please check out our sponsors. I mentioned at the beginning, Wild Soul Sandals and XL Coffee for discounts. Links in the description. You can also get involved by donating from as little as £6 a month over at my Patreon. If you do so, you'll be invited on monthly calls, dive into some topics covered in the month's episode. If you want to share any episodes, please do so on Instagram and tag me, thechris.geisler, in your stories so I can repost. That is all. Thank you for your time, your interest in questioning all things life.